Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today we have another founder from Startup Nation. And I think that we're gonna be learning quite a bit. So I guess without further ado, Jonathan Langer, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Alejandro. So originally born and raised in Israel. So how was life there? Uh, life was tremendous. Israel is a fantastic country. Uh, lots of sun and lots of good vibes. Uh, and uh, I learned a lot from growing up there, and I think it was a big part of turning into an entrepreneur. And and talking about turning into an entrepreneur, you had that in the genes, in the family. Your father was also in, in the tech scene. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. I think I've been hearing about uh, closing deals and QBRs and uh, raising capital since I was probably six years old. <laughs> so some of that sunk in, I guess, and... Uh, Forged the way forward. And any any particular lessons that maybe you recall, you know, from your father, you know, as 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 you were growing up, and you know, perhaps like certain things that you really learned from from seeing him. Well, that's a that's a good question. I think maybe off the top of my head, I would say the biggest lesson is uh, persistence. Uh, not everything uh, works uh, as well as you would want it to work on the first time. My father also had to do things a couple of times until he was successful. Uh, but that perseverance, big lesson for me. Nice. And obviously for you, a really big thing was the army. I mean, you were in the army from 18 to 31. That's a long time. Jonathan. Yeah, that was a very long time, and I owe a whole lot uh, to the Army, uh, to my commanders in the Army, and really instilling a, a culture of, a, of excellence uh, in me and in my surroundings. Uh, it was a, a very, very unique experience. I guess that's why I, I stayed there for so long, um, and uh, I really owe a lot to those guys. And while you were there, you also studied law. So why did you think that law could be interesting? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I, during my army service, most of the work was, uh, was technological. We were working on cybersecurity uh, and other large-scale technological projects. So with law, I kind of wanted a, a break from the, from the tech uh, and really wanted to, uh, to try some other things. Uh, and it just gave me a different perspective on, on how to do business, on, uh, 
on how to think. Uh, so I think all in all, it was a, it was a good selection. So I guess uh, on the army, I mean, really at the end of the day, like doing a startup is like going to war. So I guess what, what kind of lessons did you really learn in the army that you think have really helped you as, as now you're, you're an entrepreneur? <laughs> That's, uh, I, I definitely agree. Startup is like going to war. Um, <laughs> it's a good question. I think maybe two, uh, two similarities that I could draw. Uh, I think uh, just like war and just like in startup, on the one hand, there has to be strategy. Uh, strategy always wins war and always wins uh, always wins the fight. Uh, there has to be a, an overarching strategy, but uh, there also has to be very good tactical execution. So looking at both layers without losing sight of the other one is really something that I learned in the army and I'm trying to implement to mitigate as well, hopefully as successfully as I can. And what about being with uncertainty? Because I'm sure that when you're in the army and maybe like even when you're doing those trainings and when you have guns involved and and people involved and lives involved, I mean, perhaps that taught you as well as to how to be with uncertainty. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, there's a lot of uncertainty involved in, uh, in what we're doing uh, as a startup. And what I like to do, the exercise that I do with, with myself and with the uh, key team members is just assess and reevaluate the situation all the time to try to limit the level of uncertainty that we see in the market, that we see in our sales cycle, that we see with our competition all the time. It's all about collecting intelligence and assessing and then reassessing and adapting plans accordingly. It's probably a loop that we do, I would say, almost on a daily basis. Got it. So then in your case, I mean, at 31, you leave the army. They finally let you go, Jonathan, after all those many years of service. <laughs> Amazing, no? So, so, so you really got at it, you know, and, and you went for it, you know, in terms of, of the startup world. So, so tell us about what was that moment when you got discharged and, and then you started really to, to, to think about a world where you could create something and maybe a problem that you saw and, and how you went about, hey, I'm going to bring this to life. Yeah, I mean, when, when I finished the... Uh, the army service. I <laughs> that my biggest concern is uh, how could I do something that would ever compete with a level of uh, excitement and personal fulfillment uh, like I had in the army. It was really something that uh, <laughs> that didn't let me uh, sleep at night. And the only thing that I could imagine, uh, based on conversations, based on just uh, my uh, personal thinking, uh, was startup. I, I thought that that would be the most exciting piece and the, the most uh, fulfilling. And uh, that's what drew me to it. Uh, and that's why I said, you know what, the best way to go about this is just uh, uh, to try. And uh, that's exactly what I did. That's amazing. So, so, then, so then tell us about, you know, how you went about the, the putting the team together and, and, and going at it and, and those early days. So luckily, uh, I had a... a good friends and uh, good connections from my uh, previous role in the army. So what I did is uh, I got in touch with uh, a couple of friends that I worked with previously in the army. We did a bunch of stuff together. And uh, incidentally, uh, at the same time, they were also discharged. Uh, so everyone was kind of uh, free. Uh, and we got together and discussed the situation and said, you know what, let's, uh, let's try. Let's try to do something. 
And what we did next is we really tried to think of a, a good problem that we could solve and try to look at uh, cybersecurity issues, uh, trying to interview people to, to understand where the gaps are. Uh, and finally, we landed on the, on the idea that we're pursuing right now and, uh, and went at it. That's amazing. And and in terms of going at it, I mean, what ended up being what what ended up being the business model so that the people listening get it? So the business model that we wanted to go after is uh, we're in cybersecurity, and really what we felt is that uh, there's so many cybersecurity companies uh, out there, and a lot of them coming out of Israel. Uh, so we wanted to do something different, and different for us meant to, to take a verticalized approach. Uh, and for us, that was healthcare. Uh, we, we, we didn't know anything about healthcare before. Uh, we didn't have previous experience. But just understanding the complexities and the specific needs, it really felt like a really, really good fit uh, for our, uh, uh, I'd say, technological team uh, that we wanted to assemble. Uh, so we built a, a SaaS platform for cybersecurity for healthcare uh, and, uh, and, and, and been developing this platform ever since. So when you were, for example, like putting together this team, I mean, what were some of the key hires that, that you got involved in? And obviously at the early stage, it's tough to convince people. So how did you go about convincing them? Well, that's a, that's a, good, uh, a good question. I, you know what? I think uh, so much of our success so far uh, it should be attributed to the, to the great people that we were able to get on board, not just the, the founders, but, but really the first, uh, the first employees. And uh, the, the, here, this is where the, the Army connections also really helped us because we tapped into uh, previous uh, employees, uh, previous uh, soldiers that worked with us in the Army, and we, we just convinced them that it was going to be a great ride, uh, that it is a super interesting problem uh, that we could solve, and uh, ultimately that convinced them to, to jump on the train. And then as you were executing and, and really trying to get customers too, I mean, what, what were those, say, first big wins? Like when that moment when you finally got your first customer and, and everything got validated? So, I mean, I think that one of the, the, the best decisions that we made early, early in the game was to really engage with, uh, with customers and prospects uh, as early as possible to get feedback. So I remember two moments. I remember probably the first time that I flew to the U.S. for a business trip. And really, it was all about just meeting uh, security professionals from, uh, uh, from hospitals. And I just sat down a couple hours, me and uh, uh, one of my co-founders, and we finally just understood exactly what the MVP product uh, would be. And it was just like an aha moment in terms of, uh, okay, we're going back to Israel, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, and then another breakthrough moment that I remember is, uh, this was back in 2018, uh, we, we convinced a, a really big uh, customer to give us a shot uh, at winning their business after they had a competitive bid. <laughs> Our product wasn't, uh, wasn't baked at all. Uh, at that point, there was, uh, I'd say, half a product baked. Uh, but still, uh, this, uh, this person uh, put our trust, uh, put his trust in us, uh, let us compete. It was uh, against... Uh, a couple other companies that, that were also a part of the bid. We did a POC maybe for a month. I don't think anyone in the company slept uh, that entire month, or it was even more than a month. It was probably 60 days. 
And uh, and finally we won. And it was a it was a huge moment. Just uh, it goes back to that tactical win uh, that builds up the strategy later. But that was a, a huge tactical win for the company. Very cool. And, and, and then I want to ask you, because obviously you guys started the business in, in Israel, but then all of a sudden you find yourself in the concrete jungle of New York City. So how was that transition like? Like, why did you decide that coming to New York was the way to go? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we, what happened was it was all for positive reasons. Uh, our team in the U.S., our sales team, marketing team, customer success team, and so on, it really got bigger and bigger. And I found that as CEO, I just needed to be closer to the troops and to really be a bridge between our U.S. operation and our Israeli operation. And I felt that the most impactful position for me would to be in, to be in the U.S., really. I chose the East Coast because it's much easier to communicate with Israel, only seven hours, which is a lot, but West Coast is 10 uh, so uh, New York seemed like a like a good selection, and uh, I've been here ever since. And what do you think that uh, for you guys was probably the toughest part of of coming to New York? I really think that the toughest part, and it is a tough part, it's uh, it's really a governance change in terms of how the company operates. Because you know, when you're in Israel, you see your 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 executive team, your Israeli executive team, that part of the the site uh, all the time, and the next to the water cooler, and all of a sudden that becomes a Zoom, and uh, it's much, much harder, and the hours, uh, the overlapping hours are limited. Uh, it just turns the company into something else. It changes the dynamic, and very, very important to adapt uh, before it, beca- before it uh, hurts morale, and that's exactly what we did, and uh, today it's uh, much, much smoother. And in terms of culture, I mean, when you have different offices, every office has like a culture of its own to a certain degree. So how do you manage that? Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, it's really a, a culture of cultures, I would say. Uh, I think we have, uh, we, we define values uh, that, we, that we believe in and mitigate, passion, entrepreneurship, uh, things that we really encourage everyone in the organization to do. Uh, but the interpretation of the values uh, really depends on the local culture. Uh, so Israelis are Israelis, Americans are Americans, and uh, it is different. We have some European folks as well. That's different as well. Uh, but it's what makes uh, life interesting. We're learning a lot from the different cultures, and uh, I certainly am on a personal basis. Uh, and it's a, it's a big part of our growth and my personal growth, honestly. And from a fundraising perspective, how much capital have you guys raised to date? We have raised a fifty million dollars in total, just just about in three rounds of funding. Very cool, and I know that the most recent one was in the middle of COVID. So talking about uncertainty and going into into action. So uh, so how was this this experience for you? Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was an interesting one. Uh, you know, we we started fundraising in. Uh, what was it, maybe February of this year, when a couple of weeks later, uh, we understood that COVID is, is really hitting the, hitting the world and, and changing things uh, for the long term. Uh, so all of a sudden, uh, you know, some investors uh, get a little bit more concerned and there are more questions that are asked about the future of healthcare and the future of, of, of some enterprises in general. And also, I think that uh, a big part, uh, a big challenge is uh, 
how to convince someone to give you uh, $30 million over Zoom. Uh, no more dinners, no more uh, getting to know someone. It's just uh, just remote. That was certainly challenging. So we, uh, we spent a lot of time uh, adapting uh, our, uh, our pitch, uh, being able to articulate the business value, persuading people uh, that we're going to be successful uh, despite the pandemic. And ultimately, we're very, very happy that we were able to do so. So that's quite an accomplishment. And I'm sure that there is a lot of people right now listening to our conversation and that they're wondering, oh, my God, I'm, I got a fundraise too. How, how the hell am I going to be able to do this? Is there any, like, perhaps main takeaways that perhaps you can share on how was that process of doing it all online? Because before you could see the body language, you could establish that human interaction. I mean, now there's none of that. So, so what were your biggest takeaways on doing this, you know, online? So uh, that's a good question. I think there, there's some simple things and uh, maybe some more uh, complicated things. I think simple is use a camera, use good sound, uh, enable yourself to connect with the person on the other side uh, to, the, to, the best, uh, to the best way possible, to the, best ex to the furthest extent. Uh, don't, you know, put a, close all your cellular phone, everything. Just concentrate on that person. It comes across. And then the other thing, which is a little bit more complicated to do, is you really need to prepare the meetings. The message that you're trying to convey, whether it's on a presentation or orally, it really, really, really needs to be sharp. Because you got 30 minutes limited attention from someone, and you got to be super sharp. And that's what I felt we did, and it, was, it worked well. And one of the things, you know, it's interesting how we... You know, history continues to repeat. History continues to repeat, and we're talking about war applied to to startups, applied to being in the army. But you know, people are talking about also, you know, the next type of wars that we're going to be experiencing. They're like more like cyber type of stuff. And obviously, this is a little bit uh, different uh, than 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 what you guys are experiencing with Medigate because it's more applied to medical device security type of stuff, no? But but I'm wondering here, uh, what kind of like wh where do you think that your space and more interestingly with the cybersecurity, you know, aspect of it, where do you think is heading as a whole? You know, I think that it's it's evident in every industry, healthcare or retail or finance, uh, whatever it is, that all of our critical assets are beginning to be more and more connected to, uh, to networks. Even in healthcare, probably a, a pretty conservative uh, industry, medical devices that are connected to human beings are now connected to networks. And I think that this is really changing, that digital experience is really changing the, the cybersecurity landscape The attackers know that this is a soft target and the defenders know that they need to do better in order to protect these assets. And it's just changing the industry completely. And it's, uh, it's, in, it's super interesting for me as an entrepreneur to, to, to witness this uh, happening just uh, uh, during our lifetime. It's quite a challenge and very interesting to see this uh, evolve. And in your case, how, how big is the team? I mean, especially for the people that are, that are listening, how big is Medigate to, today to get an idea? Anything that you can share? Sure. So we're a 90 plus people, more or less, right now. A very different than the, the three-man team that we were uh, just a short time ago. 
and really scattered across the U.S., Israel, and Europe. So I know as well that uh, you've been doing some product launches and, and, and there are some, some recent ones that you've done. So, so how do you suggest or how, what have you learned about doing a successful product launch? I think that this goes back to strategy. And the biggest lesson that I've had in this case is to listen to the customers, listen to the market gather bits and pieces of information and insights from multiple stakeholders, bring it back to the team, develop the product, and then when you launch it, make sure that you come back to all those customers that you talk to and say, hey, we listen to everything that you've been telling us, and here's how we address it. So to me, the biggest lesson, kind of like a basic you know, product, uh, product management uh, capacity, is listen very carefully to the customer and be very communicative when you come back to back to them with a product that has been ultra ultra successful for us. I can't stress enough. And it seems that you know also when it comes to 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 execution, you know we're talking about tactical execution. I think that being in the right time in history is critical. And obviously, we're coming from a world where. You know, it, it, it was not the usual to see doctors and nurses, you know, on the front cover of, of newspapers. And now it seems that that's what we see every day, you know, with, with, with the craziness that it's happening. So I'm guessing here, like, uh, how, how would you say that, that, that this entire COVID and, and healthcare, you know, as well exploding, you know, it's, it's, it's impacting as well the execution? You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think there's a, there's a short term and a long term here. Uh, obviously, in the short term, uh, everyone's focused on just getting rid of this pandemic and uh, healthcare is really, the healthcare workers are really on the front lines. Uh, so the focus is there right now. I think in the midterm or long term, we're going to see a lot of interesting uh, developments coming out of this. A whole lot more, uh, I think, uh, remote care or virtual care uh, known as telemedicine, people basically getting a virtual care from devices or through a, a video chats with doctors really going to change, I think, the way that uh, healthcare is delivered in the United States and globally. And obviously, that's going to have a huge cybersecurity and IT impact as well. So we're we're tracking those trends very closely. Got it. And imagine, for example, today, Jonathan, that you go to sleep and you wake up in a world, let's say, five years later, so I mean, amazing snooze. You wake up in a world where the vision of Medigate is completely realized. What does that world look like? I think that really that world to me is a fully digital hospital, everything connected, all patient care digitized to the furthest extent possible, but at the same time, safe. There's safety and there's confidence in, uh, in these digital processes and that the, the attackers are, are shut out. That's what we should strive to do. We shouldn't impede uh, the, the digital transformation. We should uh, adapt to it and, and encourage it, but at the same time maintain safety. I think it's possible. I certainly think it's possible. 
And you know, it's interesting. You you you're talking about adapting, and and earlier you were talking about the importance of listening to the customers. So I see here some really interesting patterns. Uh, perhaps you know that you guys are applying to your own execution, which is listening. So when you're when you're saying you know, and when you're thinking about listening to your customers, it's easier said than done. Uh, so I'm 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 just wondering here, like how how do you go about listening to your customer to extract? you know, the data points that are going to help you in your execution. What, what does that look like? I mean, to, to me, it's just, just like I was saying earlier, I think it's it, the, extracting the data points. To me, it's all about listening to, to the people that you respect and that you can learn from. In, in, in our case, it's really our customers. I listen, our, custom, uh, our team members listen all the time. And there are multiple data points that come back every day, every day that are quickly inserted into the development cycles. And I think that that has been key. Got it. So would you say that the customer service needs to be like front, uh, you know, front lines and be able to have a, a good communication? Because typically, you know, what also happens and that I have seen in many instances is that there is this, uh, they're a little bit separated or, or disjointed, you know, the way that the customer support team is and the way that the tech team is. And, and, that information and those data points can be lost. So what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a very, very valid point. One of the, I think the biggest challenges that growing startups have is that the organization becomes disjointed in the sense that the sales team, the front line, really isn't able to understand what the client is necessarily telling them from a more of a technological perspective. And they aren't able to communicate that back to a product team, development team. And really, we've created a, a process where we feel that uh, to, to the, best, uh, the best we can, that those valuable insights do not get lost. But it is a very, very key process that we've been focusing a lot on to, to make sure that we're doing well. So one of the questions that I typically ask, Jonathan, the folks that come on the show is, you know, obviously you've you've been at it for for quite a bit now. You know, with with Medigate. So I mean, since 2017, right? And you've done multiple rounds. You know, you've seen the ups, the downs that come with with really building a company. If you had the opportunity to go back in time and have a chat with that younger Jonathan that was coming out of the army and and thinking about a world where he could bring an idea, you know, to life, what would be that one piece of business advice that you that you would give to your younger self, and why? Given what you know now, <laughs> you know what I, I didn't I didn't think about this before, but off the top of my head, I would say this: I would say make sure you enjoy the ride, okay? because you know what? There are a lot of stressful situations, and there's up and ups and downs, and that's always going to happen in every startup. But I think that if you enjoy the ride. Uh, it'll be good for you, you'll, and you'll be able to have a clearer mindset to make better decisions, uh, other than being, you know, stressed. Uh, and uh, that's what you, you know, we're, we're here for the also for the personal fulfillment. So uh, having fun is a key part of it. Absolutely, you know, I think that sometimes founders just get too stuck on the outcome rather than embracing the journey, and I think that they lose they lose really the the, the fun part of it, you know, which is getting there. Could not agree more with you. Yeah. So, so Jonathan, I guess for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? So I'm, a, I'm here for anyone that wants to, to reach out. Jonathan at Medigate.io. 
and happy to talk to any entrepreneurs out there, to anyone that's interested in this domain in general. And you guys, feel free. Amazing. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you for having me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to AlejandroCremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.